Welcome to Courageous Conversations on mental, in our mental health series. We're so excited. I'm Lady Shauna Watley, and I have my partner in crime here, Dr. Kim Alexander. And we're excited about the conversation that we're having today, and it's called Good Grief, um, Dealing with Loss. And certainly this has been a season where we've experienced, you know, individually, as families, as a country, um, a significant loss, whether it be with death of a loved one or just the loss of our normal lives and um, dealing with our day-to-day -day activities that were not a part of our um, the functions of our lives prior to COVID. So we just want to have a conversation. So we thank you for joining us today, and I'm going to and thank you to our um, corporate partner Osaka for this wonderful series um, that they funded for us, and we look forward to working with them in the future. So I'm going to turn it over to Dr. Kim to introduce our guest, and we'll get started. Well, I'm excited today that we have um, two ladies that are going to share with us uh, as we talk about good grief dealing with loss. And I want to introduce both of them. The first is Dr. Sharon Seiler. She is the executive director of The Healing Place, and she has provided care for persons experiencing death and non-death losses for a number of years. She holds her undergraduate and graduate degrees in education from the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill, Virginia Commonwealth University, and the College of William and Mary. And in addition to her work in education, uh, Sharon is an ordained minister, a trained spiritual director, director and formation prayer caregiver. Her commitment to provide care and support to the bereaved has resulted in the pursuit of a master's of science in thanatology from Marion University. And one of her favorite quotes written by Darcy Harris and the late Howard uh, Winokur says, our lives are often shaped and shattered by the experience of various losses over time. We're just excited to have Dr. Sharon Seiler with us today. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much. Yeah, Glad thank to you. Be here. Good. Thank you for joining us. Good. Thank, thank you. you for joining us. And our next guest is Reverend Melody Boone. Melody is a gifted psalmist, writer, preacher, and teacher. She's a native of Lenore, North Carolina. She's passionate about people vision and birthing purpose in individuals' lives. She is the owner and CEO of Liberty Coaching and Consulting, uh, a boutique coaching company that inspires, encourages, and empowers church leaders, pastors, their spouses, budding entrepreneurs, and aspiring writers to birth their dreams and visions and unleash their creative potential. Um, I'll share with you that she has a testimony of um, a grief experience that she is going to share with us. Um, hopefully today as we have this conversation. She's a graduate of the University of North Carolina at Charlotte and a certified growth coach through Targeted Living Coaching and Consulting in Atlanta. She's a certified life and executive leadership coach through Life Forming Leadership Coaching International of Virginia Beach. And she is an incredible woman of God. I am so excited to have these two women with us today. Uh, Lady Shama, to talk about good grief and dealing with loss. Absolutely. Um, so we would like to just start off the conversation, um, Sharon, with you sharing with our audience, what are some of the, can you share with us the stages of grief and what are some of the things that we should be looking for as we're dealing with loss? Yeah, 
Thank you. That's a that's a great question to start with, and perhaps the word stages of grief um, um, should maybe be replaced with some other word because I think just the term stages makes 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 people think that as I go through this grief journey. I can come complete one stage and I'm mm. done with that stage, mm. never to go back to that stage. And I'm going to go forward stage by stage. Mm -hmm. But the journey of grief is certainly not a, um, a very uh, linear journey. Um, it is a journey that, um, that causes you to feel okay one second, one minute, and very, very uh, wrecked, if you will, the next. So stages, stages is probably not the word. Um, one of the terms that I like to use is the task, the task of, of, of grief. Because on the journey, um, the word task makes us think of work mm -hmm. and yeah. uh, the journey of grief can be emotionally challenging work. Yeah. Wow. And so um, when you're meeting with your patients or even friends and family who talk oh. to you about, you know, this journey of grief, um, what are some of the things that you prescribe to them or recommend to them that they do as they begin to, to go through this process or walk down this path? Yeah, one of the things, and it kind of seemed odd, but one of the things that I think is most helpful is for people to understand what loss is and then to understand that grief is our is our re reactions to loss. Mm -hmm. And those reactions are cognitive, they're behavioral, they're physical, they're emotional, they're spiritual. And all of those reactions are happening at the same time. Mm -hmm. And one of the reasons that that's helpful is because people often think I'm going crazy, mm -hmm. you know, and, and for them to know, no, you are not going crazy. You are experiencing all of these reactions to grief at the same time. So physically you, you, um, your heart is, uh, uh beating faster. Uh, you have headaches, um, uh, on the um, on the uh, emotional side, you're 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 sad. You could be relieved. You could have shame. You're asking questions of God. On the behavioral side, you can't sleep. Your appetite is affected. On the social side, you may not want to be with people. Uh, but all of it is happening to you at one time. And it can feel so overwhelming mm -hmm. that people think, I am losing my mind. Mm 
Mm-hmm. And so I just find it helpful for them to understand, no, you're not losing your mind. This is the grief journey and a normal reaction to loss. Yeah. I love that you call it a journey and talk about the task of grief. It kind of shifts our semantics around when we think of grief. I really um, think that when I think of grief, I typically think of, uh, of death, but experiencing COVID, there has been such grief over uh, loss in general, loss of daily routine, loss of um, celebrating things the way you do normally, uh, just so much of it. Um, and being able to process grief um, has, been, has been difficult. So when you talk about it being a journey, I think I can, can really relate to that. What are some, um, some ways that you think uh, we should look at grief, not just as death, but other areas of grief? Yeah, when, whenever you define loss, you're absolutely right. Death loss is certainly one of them that most people understand. Death of a spouse, death of um, um, a child, a sibling. But loss also includes non-death losses, mm-hmm. divorces, breakup, loss of ministry, loss of health, retirement. Mm-hmm. All of those are non-death losses. So you have death losses, non-death losses, and then you have something between death and non-death losses. Mm. Ambiguous loss. Okay, you got to stop right there. (laughs) (laughs) Ambiguous loss, explain. (laughs) Ambiguous loss would be, uh, let's say, a parent has Alzheimer's, Mm -hmm. okay? The parent is not deceased, Mm -hmm. but because of the dementia or the Alzheimer's, you have lost the parent that you once knew. Yes, yes. So even though they're still physically present, they're not present at the same time. Uh, A person being uh, incarcerated, Mm. Mm-hmm. Another example of an ambiguous loss where the person, again, is not deceased, but at the same time, the person is not present. Mm-hmm. So all of those are losses, and we have reactions to all of them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's so interesting. Um and, and this is a, a smaller uh, example, but an example nonetheless in my mind. The other day, I um, was looking at my daughter. She's 10. And um, in this particular angle or glimpse of her resonated with me in a way that I'm like, oh, my goodness, she's not a little girl anymore. And the mm-hmm. tears started flowing down my face face Mm -hmm. and it was like I was like oh my good you know it was so of course I'm excited that she's growing up and she's blossoming into a lovely young lady but the loss of that child it hit me like a ton of bricks like so we we probably experience it on a daily but don't really recognize that we're it's a we're grieving or you know something has changed in our lives or shifted 
um, and we're responding to it, um, but we're not really calling it as as a loss. A loss, mm -hmm. right, right. Mm -hmm. And that, and, and yours is a great example of uh, something because you don't define it as a loss, mm -hmm. and you're confused as to why my reaction was so, um, you know, big mm -hmm. uh, to that, but it is a loss. Mm -hmm. And so when you have a loss, you're going to have those reactions of grief, mm -hmm. you know, the social, physical, behavioral, emotional, they're all there. And so it's helpful when we expand our, our definition and our understanding of loss that it, it is bigger than just death losses. As hard as they, as the death losses are, there are just it's it's just a bigger a bigger definition than most people understand it to be. Sure, sure. You know, it impacts Shana, us. Go well, ahead, Melody. Well, Shauna, it's so funny that you should say that because I literally thought that I just lost my sons to adulthood. Mm. My sons uh, literally came home to shelter in last March. Um, of course, we did miss graduation from college. Um, you know, we missed those. My, my older son graduated with his master's. My younger son graduated from A&T with his undergrad. No graduations. But then we came home and sheltered in. And then in August, they moved out. And my husband and I are, are now empty nesters. Mm -hmm. And I went through this, this grief of, mm -hmm. oh my gosh. And just looking at my youngest son and, you know, he's 22, but you know, he's my baby. Sure. I, I was, I was devastated and yeah. literally, literally had to go through a time of uh, crying yeah. Literally, just the se separation anxiety, mm -hmm. missing them. And then the hardest thing was the fact that they were coming into adulthood and not needing me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I really went through a hard time. And, you know, and I'm still dealing with that loss. But, you know, I've accepted the loss. And now realizing that they're grown men, it's time for them to be on their own and to start their new lives as young adults. But it really hit me really hard when they moved out in August. And you know, my husband and I moved up to, you know, went up to Northern Virginia uh, and helped them move into this apartment. And then when we were on the highway heading back down to North Carolina, it was like, oh my God, I just left my babies. <laughs> and, um, you know, and they're fine. I might hear from them every two weeks, but, you know, I can identify it was such a significant loss in my life. Yeah, I'm coming up on that. I've got one graduating from high school and one from college. And everybody keeps saying, how are you feeling about the emptiness? And I was like, I really don't think it's going to happen. <laughs> so I think I'm in denial. In denial. <laughs> yes. Uh-huh. I'm in denial. I really am. I think, um, I just think about loss in so many different ways. And you're right. I, we just don't think about loss um, other than some of the ways that we typically think of loss. But I think mm -hmm. through COVID, um, the loss of my summer vacation was devastating to me. 
-hmm. it was like the loss of the ability to travel and to disconnect and mm -hmm. to to have space to just be and not be in the same space. It just, there was just so much. And so um, have you noticed, uh, Sharon, that there has been an increase in, in people seeking counseling for loss? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, specifically on the um, lines of COVID um, losses where those death losses where, where people um, could not be with their loved ones at the end of life and feeling that my loved one, my mom, my dad died by themselves. Mm -hmm. And then because uh, funerals have not been what we normally expect. Mm -hmm. And that social support is significant of what helps people. Mm -hmm. And so because funerals at the beginning of the pandemic, you could only have 10 people present and uh, people weren't able to come over and to visit and um, to support like we are used mm -hmm. to our faith uh, community and our friends uh, supporting us. Mm -hmm. So people have experienced the losses, but they haven't been able to get the support that's often so helpful. Yes. So mm -hmm. I think that that's made people open to, oh, I need some support mm -hmm. in this journey because what I previously had was not um, there for me. Yeah. As a culture, I think, um, providing that kind of support is who we are. Yeah. It's just yes. been so hard to not be able to do that for friends, for church members to just be supportive. I, I think about um, a long time ago when I had a miscarriage and how people were so supportive. And even though it was devastating for me, having people um, show up and be present and to um, to pray with me there physically in the yeah. ministry of presence. Mm -hmm. It was just it was just so important. What are some ways, um, Melody, you have experienced support through through grief? Well, any of us. Well, you know, uh, after you know, I've lost three children, and um, you know, when we lost our twin daughters at in infancy. Um, you know, you, you lose, a, we lost two babies and we were so involved with our church. Our church really embraced us. Um, but then when we lost our daughter to cancer at 17, um, we had friends, you know, uh, a good friend of mine sent our family to Hawaii. Wow. For, yeah. For just to get away. And then we had a church members. They took us to Las Vegas um, to get away. Um, and then others have, you know, taken me to the spa or, uh, taken me out to a nice lunch, all these different ways you can support those who have lost, um, you know, loved ones, different ways. And you, and I think you have to be willing to go out on a limb and reach out to those who have lost loved ones who are grieving, um, to undergird them in, in any way that you possibly can. Mm -hmm. uh, you may not be able to send a girlfriend to Hawaii, but you can come over and cook dinner. You can come over and help with laundry. You can come over and just sit down and allow them to share their feelings. 
I think that's so important when you look at supporting someone um, who is lost and, 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 and walking through it. And I call it journeying or traveling through the valley of the shadow of death. Mm-hmm. And, um, and sometimes, you know, when you're in that valley, you're going to need someone who is brave enough to come into the valley and sometimes sit in there with you for a little while to undergird you while you're there. Um, but I just think it is good for people to support, um, love family and friends any way they can. Um, so that person can, can feel safe to allow the emotion, the grief, the sadness to be present. Because sometimes we hide it mm. and we don't want others to see it. Mm-hmm. But when you have someone who's willing to go in and support you uh, and you're comfortable with them, you know, you can take the mask off and be real. So I think that type of support is critical when you're dealing with grief. Yeah. Wow. That, um, mm-hmm. when you say, uh, you quoted Psalms 23, um, mm-hmm. through the valley of the shadow of death. Yes. And, you know, I have been uh, studying that scripture over the month of February, abiding in it. Mm-hmm. And it has been so powerful for me, you know, because I've experienced a lot of death loss over this last 60 days. And in that scripture, you know, I keep going back to, um, thou are with me, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, and, and I just, I just hang there. Mm-hmm. Thou are with me, no matter what it is, even though I'm walking through this valley of the shadow of death, mm-hmm. you know, thou are with me. Um, and it's just been a blessing to me as I go through this journey, because, you know, people, for us who are in ministry, you know, we're dealing with our own personal loss, but we're also carrying the losses of our uh, congregants and people mm-hmm. who you know, they may not even be members of the church, but they confide in you because they trust you. They, you know, they know that they can get an encouraging word from you because you're, because of your faith walk. Um, and it can, it can be overwhelming sometimes, but that scripture has really, um, it has really blessed me mm-hmm. through this, through this period. Um, and, you know, so I thank you for sharing that. I thank you for sharing your story about the loss of your, your children and how you've come through I'm certain that you probably still have moments um, through this journey. So it's not a journey that, you know, that you get to a final place. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's a, a constant. Um, Pulling. Yes. Yes. And, and what, is, what are some of the things that really um, anchor you? Oh, gosh. Well, Sean, I've got to be honest. Um, the loss of my twin daughters at birth was, um, it, w- it was emotional, but I was only with them for an hour. Uh, I was with my daughter for 17 years. Um, and she was sick for five years. She had um, neuroblastoma with secondary leukemia. And it was a, you name it, we went through it. Um, and. It was a very hard journey for me to go through uh, with the loss of my daughter. And I think that anchor that I had was knowing that um, 
I went to the cemetery, I went to the cemetery one time because I think I've done the full gamut. And my husband and I were there and I collapsed on her grave and just inconsolable. And while I was there um, at Resurrection Cemetery, the Holy Spirit whispered in my ear, she's not there. Mm -hmm. And I, I, it kind of, it was like a bucket of cold water. It was like, what? Mm -hmm. It was like, what? And the Holy Spirit said, she's not there. And I, I said, oh my, it was like a light bulb went off. And that became my anchor and my release of mourning my daughter who I buried to knowing that she was in glory probably having the time of her life and running God crazy with her organizational skills. <laughs> and I found joy that day. Mm. And, I, you know, that's my thing. I know that Britt is fine. Mm -hmm. uh, I know that uh, she has an assignment up in heaven. Um, you know, the Lord shared some things with me about what she was doing up in heaven. And I have a peace with that. But another anchor that I, that, that I had to allow myself to get to was not only spending time in the word, but spending time in worship. Mm -hmm. I had to allow to just go into God's presence through worship and to allow myself time to cry, to grieve, to mourn, but to also get in God's presence and just worship him for who he is still in my life. Because see, this is the thing. God still wants me to live. Mm -hmm. I have to have purpose. Although my heart was broken when my daughter died, I, I had to, I had to have purpose to continue on getting up and living for my son. So that was my anchor. Um, I had a, you know, I had this uh, relationship with God that one day that I was in love with God, the next day I was just ticked mm -hmm. off. Mm -hmm. I was angry. Yeah. And I, you know, and I had to deal with those emotions of anger and just having some conversations with God, you know, you know, yeah, I know I need to pray today, but I don't feel like talking to you today. And that being okay and, 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 and not feeling bad mm -hmm. about it. Yeah, but, it's real. But, but yeah, I'm just being honest. Yeah. But but yeah. then re but then realizing that he was there waiting for me. Mm -hmm. Whenever I would go back to that time of listening to a favorite worship song, and you know how you go in worship, and you know you hear the music, but then there's just this certain chord or a certain phrase in the lyrics that takes you right into God's presence. Yeah, mm -hmm. and. It was those moments that I could just allow the words of the song to minister to my spirit and remember that God and I still had this relationship. Mm -hmm. God and I still had work to do, you know, you know, in kingdom building, in the local church where I work. God still had something for me to do. And I had to be willing to submit myself to that and hold on to that. That was my anchor, yeah. that purpose to continue on serving him. Although 
those were days, there were dark days. There were days I didn't feel like talking to God. There were days that I was angry with my husband uh, because he didn't feel like talking about it. I had to have that anchor knowing that God still had purpose for my life. Amen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you so much, Melody. I think that just the realness of that um, and being real about the fact that we have these emotions and that we have to be able to take them to God and that he can handle it. Yeah. And he, he wants to know how we really feel because he really already knows. So for us mm-hmm. to express it is nothing new for him. I think um, of that scripture that says we don't grieve as those who do not have hope. Mm-hmm. And often I, um, I think of that scripture, but at the same time, I have this, um, this thought, yes, I don't grieve as a person who doesn't have hope, but that doesn't mean I'm not sad and sorrowful Mm -hmm. about it, that those two things can exist at the same time. And so, um, I think when we talk about this task of grief, um, that that work that we have is just continual as we experience more and more loss. Um, I can't imagine, um, the death of of a a teenage child um, even walking with someone closely who um who lost a child in my church really almost took me out i just could not just the thought of it was just so much and so heavy um especially because i think we deal with this question of um we know god can do it Mm, (laughs) and so it it gets us to to this thing like okay this this happened and and he allows what he allows and we have to be able to i think your key there for me was when you talked about worship that when Mm. we get to that point of just worshiping Mm. the fact that you know he's god (laughs) and he's huge and we can hold on to that the fact that he alone knows all things and we just don't and we just have to trust him with what we don't know so you know the the omnipotence of god and that's one thing that i had to come to grips with and that was the fact that god is sovereign yes Mm -hmm. and you know nowhere in in my vision, in my peripheral vision or any type of vision, did I think that God was putting my daughter through this. But I, my hardest thing was dealing with the fact that God allowed it. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, one thing that both me and my husband, you know, we had some very serious conversations and that was about, well, God, if, if this was going to be the end result anyway, which was her death, why did you let her suffer the way you did Mm. and the grief of and the emotion attached to the fact that God allowed her to go through so much pain so much suffering so many surgeries um, all these you know new treatments and you know giving us hope but then um, Mm. just not allowing her I'm going to just say how I want to say it to die. You know, she got diagnosed at 12, you know, what was the purpose of her death at at 17 when I, you know, I just could not allow, why would you let her suffer the way that you did? But then I had to look at this. Brittany was such of a testimony to so many people. There was a young woman who was on in the, in, the, in the unit with her at Duke, 
who did not know the Lord mm. and was struggling because she'd gotten diagnosed with cancer and she was very angry. And she wanted to hang out with Britt and, and Britt led this young teenager to Christ. Mm. And she came into the unit and this girl got, you know, Brittany led her to Christ and she just became this, this fireball of testimony and witness. And she would go up and down the halls and she would share with the nurses and everybody about the goodness of the Lord and how she was saved and what God meant to her and, you know, how God had changed her life. And you all, do you all know that 30 days after that young girl walked the halls and shared her testimony, the Lord took her home. Mm. Yeah. And, um, you know, Brittany was just, she was such of a force that her light shined all through the hospital. And so, you know, I didn't like the fact that the Lord allowed her to suffer, but God had purpose behind it. Yes, yes. I actually heard about yeah. her life uh, and her testimony before I even met you. Wow. Yeah. Well, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. incredible. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, yeah. Sharon, I was going to ask you, you know, as you listen in um, and, you know, given your profession and this is your area of expertise, like, how do you, particularly for those of us who are rooted in our faith, who have a strong core faith, um, how do you provide counseling um, and guidance to individuals, um, you know, who are, are leaning on God and say, saying, you know what, I can, God is going to get me through this. Who may not, so I can give an example. I was dealing with some loss and, um, you know, it was said, well, you should go to see a counselor. And I was like, oh, no, I'm not. You know, God's going to get me through this. I don't need to see a counselor. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you talk and work with individuals? And what would you share um, to encourage people? Because most of our audience, you know, we have a broad audience, but a lot of our audience are individuals who are um, within the faith community. Yeah, yeah. You know, one of, one of the things that I've that I've found, particularly with Christians, um, is that we don't give ourselves space to grieve, and we don't give each other space to grieve. Our expectation of ourselves and other people within the community of faith is because we know the Lord, because we know the person went to heaven, that we should be able to move beyond it with that knowledge. But, um, and, and because of that, we feel like somehow we're weak or our faith is weak, or I don't believe God like I should, or, you know, because I don't bounce back mm-hmm. as fast as I should. But the truth of the matter is, you know, the Bible says that Jesus was a man of sorrows. Mm. That he was acquainted with grief. So there's something about the territory of loss 
that Jesus says, I know something about, I know something about this uh, territory. So what, what we offer to people that I believe is so important, and Melody mentioned it, is a safe space, a safe place where you can say how you feel. If you're angry with God, you can say it. If you're the pastor, see, because there, there are some places in our community of faith, let's say you're the pastor and you've had a loss or you're a church leader or you've known the Lord forever. The expectation is because of that, you're supposed to journey through your loss differently. Mm. So you really can't say, I'm tore up from the floor up today. Mm -hmm. or, I don't want to go to church today. Or, I'm mad at God. Mm -hmm. And I haven't prayed in a week and I don't intend to. Mm -hmm. You know, you can't say that in certain spaces. Yeah. But I think to offer um, ourselves and each other a, a space where um, we're safe to say what we really feel, mm -hmm. what we're really going through, and you know that there's not going to be any judgment. Mm -hmm. You're not, there's going to be no recrimination. You're going to be held and, and cared for, even if you are the pastor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's, that's real. I, I think um, as African-American women, we try to be so strong and feel like we can just handle yeah. everything and that we have to keep up this uh, image for, the world um, when inside we're falling apart, which is one of the reasons that Lady Shauna and I wanted to do this series on mental wellness and grief as a part of it, because we have to be able to um, come to terms with there are times when it's okay not to be okay, mm -hmm. that we have to be able to admit it and to sit in it. Um, when my husband lost his younger brother, who is eight years younger than him, uh, he, he told the church, look, I'm struggling. He said, it's like the person that's me is disappearing. I'm just getting smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. And I think that that opened up, um, surprisingly, the opportunity for them to see him as a person. And I know yes. that sounds crazy. Yes. Yes. <laughs> as opposed to somebody that just produces a message for them or provide some type of whatever pastors do for them. But it, it shifted their thoughts to that he was grieving and that he needed space to grieve. Um, but the, it was brave of him to be able to say that. And once he said that, then the church was able to perform differently or act differently or receive him and support us as a family in a different way. Mm -hmm. um, so much so that my kids noticed it um, and were able to say they, they really are, they really are caring about dad. They're praying for him. They're, they're mm -hmm. supporting in a different way. Um, and I can't really even put it in words what that felt like. So when you talk about giving people that space, um, it's mm -hmm. just necessary to be able to do that. Well, this has been great. It has. <laughs> it really has. And it's, it's so timely and so necessary. And, you know, you can't have the conversation enough because you know, I think it's something that we have to continue to press upon our community and as black women, 
to recognize mm -hmm. there are options available for you. There are resources. There are um, individuals who can walk you through this specific time um, in your journey or the journey through loss. Um, and it's okay to get yeah. support and it's okay to be where you currently are. Um, it is, it's, you know, I just see it every day just through my friends um, and just even in work. Like, you know, it's just a tough, tough season. Mm -hmm. um, and we just have to call it out for what it is. It's, mm -hmm. you know, uh, yep. Or how are you today? Well, I'm just, I'm hanging in there today. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Not, you know, I'm yeah. not feeling as good as I would like or, um, and just to be, to be real about it. So I appreciate both of you all just um, sharing and providing guidance and encouraging others. I think, you know, it's important as we share our own stories, um, then other individuals will see that they're not alone and, and that this is something that, you know, other people are going through as well. Um, yeah. You know, just recently I decided to get a counselor. I'm like, you know what? I, I just, I don't want to hear about another loss, <laughs> another death, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. um, and I knew, I told my husband, I'm like, you know what? I need I need to get a counselor because I need someone who I can release some of this to um, yes. and just get it off of me um, because this, this is not a, this is not normal. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. it, it's you know, Shauna, it's very, it's, it's really tough, but I think something that we really, and we haven't talked about it today, but I think something that is critical to support what you're saying, and that is dealing with the stigma of going to a counselor. Yeah. That was one of my hardest things, you know, as being a pastor, you know, we're not supposed to do that. And I needed help. I needed to go to find someone to talk to. And I think all of us who are grieving need to realize that it is okay mm -hmm. to seek professional help. Mm -hmm. There's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with sitting down and talking with someone. There's, there's nothing wrong with accepting medication when the doctor feels that you need to have medication to support you. There's no shame in that. And I think that lots of times, you know, we don't want to take medication. We don't want to go to the doctor for psychological reasons, emotional reasons, because of the stigma that's attached to it, when that's what they're there for. And I think that we need those of us who are walking through the valley of the shadow of death, need to find the courage to kick shame to the side. Yes. And say, hey, I need help. Yes. And go and embrace that. Absolutely. And I'm glad you're saying that because I think too many people think I'm the only one that oh. I'm the only one who's experiencing this. And I think that's the trick of the enemy to make it seem like you're the only one. And that's why. And once we begin to share and we open up, we realize we are not the only one. We are not the only one who's struggling with grief. We're not the only one struggling with loss, not the only one who's stressed out, you know, mm -hmm. our ability to speak up 
and to um, to be honest and to, as you say, take off the mask and to remove the stigma. I mean, that's the whole point of this series is for us um, to talk about and confront the mental and emotional burden of the major stresses that women face and to pull the covers off so that we can be transparent and real about what we deal with. Um, because the more we hold it in, you can't skip grief. It will come back for you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it will. True. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. And then, you know, we, which we haven't talked about either. I mean, just even dealing with through this pandemic, you know, the, the health issues related to it, but then also the social issues that we've had to confront with our country and mm -hmm. grieving for me, it was the, the gr grieving the ideals that mm -hmm. I thought we were founded on. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's just been a lot. So it's just a, it's layer after layer after layer. Mm -hmm. And um, the, this is a definitely, um, these are interesting times and we have to take care of ourselves. Um, mm -hmm. Bottom line, we have to take care of ourselves. So thank you ladies for sharing and be a part, being a part of this courageous conversation because it is, you know, you have to be courageous in order to really put yourself first. So then as Dr. Kim likes to say, you have to water yourself first, <laughs> so then you can water everybody else. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I just, I thank you. I appreciate um, your candidness and your willingness to be a part of, of this series, which is so important to us. Thank you. Mm -hmm. thank, thank you, you so thank much. you so much thank you so much thank and you. to our listeners we just want to let you know we're excited to have you again as part of this courageous conversation uh, on grief and dealing with loss and again thank you to our sponsor osaka for making this possible have a good evening <laughs>